Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keene, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keene. There we go. We did it. Rock, how you doing? Man, uh, I've got an infection in my tooth and jaw, I think, right here, so... Y'all bear with me. I'm uh, pounding the Dr. Peppers and the, the Krispy Kremes we got right here. And the, You're trying to kill it all? <laughs> the cheese balls. Damn, and look at that. The um, we got uh, we got we got the sugar cookies and <laughs> yeah, we got it all, man. Y'all think Mazadal likes to eat after a fight? Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. He can't hang with me. No, he can't. Hey, you earned it, man. I got the win for sure. So, yeah, I don't care how I got the win. I'm gonna eat after the win. I know that. Hey, you got hey, it done. You gotta eat. Yep, for sure, man. So what, what's up with y'all? All right, let's get into it. So Brock, you just fought at UFC Rio Rancho last week, and I want to know how that first experience of the UFC making the walk, you know, getting your first win. We know that it didn't go the way you wanted it, but you got got that win. I just want to know how it all went and what you thought of it. Man, uh, from the from the uh, the day that they flew me out there Tuesday morning, mm-hmm. um, other than other than flying out there because I get I hate flying, man. I get uh, motion sickness real bad. So even even when I take Dramamine and stuff, I uh, I still get sick. And uh, but after making it there Tuesday, you know. Uh, getting over that plane sickness after a couple of hours. Uh, like right when I got there, saw my opponent right away. Wouldn't look at me. Gave me a good good feeling already. You know, like all right, it's game time. You know, I'm already in his head. And uh, just the whole weight cut experience. You know, uh, getting down with Clean Eats Mobile five weeks before, uh, actually eight weeks before, and then the lock the uh, Leith and Lockhart guys. Man, they're like amazing easiest cut to 155 i've ever had they they babied me babied me through the whole process from tuesday to friday and took well good care of me and man just easy everything went perfect man just like i just like i dreamed of you know fighting new mexico i got to fight in front of a lot of tribes and uh there's three or four different big tribes down in the comanches the apaches the the pichuas and the, the navajos and uh just everything went perfect man and, and the walk out the 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 song you know that to come out to the war drums of a tribe called red stadium powwow crushed it the way that was awesome it, yeah man it, everything was magnificent you know yeah. and everything i dreamed of and even more you know um i always dreamed to have an epic ufc debut and but, you know, to put into my dream, I dreamed, of course, a, a miraculous knockout. You know, right. and, and I did never thought it would be a miraculous knockout that I got. I mean, there's fear. There's always that fear that you're going to get you knocked out UFC debut. And but how I got knocked out, and then I still got the win. You know, it's crazy. If y'all know anything about my story, from Dana White looking to a fight to Dane, to the contender. To the high testosterone back out to even this now, how I just got the win, I think it's it's put in even more incredible hype and story and anticipation to my next fight. 
Oh, for sure. Um, so what do you think your next move is? Do you want an immediate rematch or are you going to be looking for another opponent or whatever they give you? I talked to Mick Maynard that night. Yeah. I talked to my manager, you know, I said, uh, I said, hey, man, I want to write back. You know, I, I even talked to Vargas, his manager. He was in the lobby that night uh, eating with us and stuff, um, sitting next to us and mm-hmm. took his hand, you know, and, hey, man, let's run it back, you know. Uh, we didn't really get to fight. I was just getting warmed up, and Vargas was just getting tuned down. And uh, if anybody knows, you know, my style, uh, I'm a grinder. If you watch the mm-hmm. Dana White Contender Series, I lost that first round. I got out-wrestled. I got held down a little bit. You know, I got – but uh, the second and third, my opponent starts fading. If you watch it. Uh-oh. Brock, we lost you. You back? Yeah, man. My fault, man. My, my phone's been blowing up after the fight. <laughs> Cousins and people blowing me up. Uh, Everyone's wanting a piece. That, that was actually one of my students. I had, it wasn't his fault. I had called him earlier. But, uh, yeah, man, wh- where I was, uh, yeah, the, the rematch. Uh, of course, I'll run it back. Uh, yeah. I find it definitely after feeling his power, feeling, feeling what he's got. Uh, easier fight than I thought. You know, he's def- he definitely was gonna. If you watched all his videos, he he fades. He's a, he's a hard first round guy, and in second and third he fades. You know, he he looks to finish people in the first round. Uh, he come out swinging, threw some blows like I thought. He come out hard. He, he threw some threw some heavy kicks. Uh, come out wild, man, wild man. It's, it's it's how it's how he fights. He's not a wrestler, and when you're not a wrestler and you you haven't been wrestling your whole life. To try to wrestle somebody for 15 minutes can tire you. Yeah. And um, you know he he yeah he, he might can wrestle me for for one round, but after that he's gonna start fading. You know, and I'm a counter wrestler, so uh, I definitely uh, felt it going my way. He 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 was uh he, he was giving me his neck a lot. I eventually probably would have got that after he got tired enough to really not defend it that first that uh. When he escaped, he he got out barely. Yeah, that was um, close. I, I thought you had him. I was going I fucking it, crazy. Yeah, he peeled inside of my yeah. glove. But hey, you know, uh, it, it happens. I would have did the same thing. You know, uh, so you know, no, no, no excuse there. Yeah. Uh, good escape, but I don't think he probably would have escaped another one. And um, I was definitely about to get up. Uh, do my, you know, I know the rules in fight. So, and if you see me in the contender fight. Mm-hmm. How I get the underhook, scoop my back up against the wall, and wall work up. I know I got to take a couple punches. I'm from if if he wants to throw the hands, but he's gonna get me. He's gonna let me up, or he's going to throw some punches and try to knee me in the chest, or wait till I get on my feet to knee me in the face. By the time I'm on feet, I'm blocking my face. Right. So I knew, you know, I know the rules. If the rules were different, if the rules were mm-hmm. you can knee somebody when they're on their butt or their knee, then I would have I would train totally different ways to get up off the wall. You know, right. with my hands up or something, yep. you know, uh, it, w- it would be a different approach to that. But uh, definitely I'm using the rules as my advantage. I mean, that's why they're made, you know, to use them as your advantage to keep people safe, to keep people fighting longer. Uh, but, you know, if we – I don't think the U- – after watching how the fight went, the guy being in 33, now he's 0-2, and how right. how he in- how he, he did the fight – you know, um, I was on my butt. He did grab the back of my neck, and he did, it did look intentional. The adrenaline was up. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? You know, maybe he tried to do it and get away with it. 
Maybe he really did try to knee me in the chest. Who really knows, man? Maybe he, his nerves were just up. He was tired. He was just, he's desperate. He was looking for something, you know? Or maybe, who knows, man? And um, if they was to be willing to run, I haven't heard anything about it. So I don't think they they will. I don't think they'll run a rematch. If they did, Are you good to go right it. away? Or are you on some sort of suspension or anything? 30-day 30, 30 30 rest. Okay. 30-day rest, and then they can All schedule right. me something. All right, well, you're ready for anyone next. So let's um, – I want to jump into your kind of upbringing a little bit. Obviously, you're from McIntosh, Alabama. You grew up on the Indian Reservation there. Um, I want to know kind of when you started fighting, how you got into fighting, and then how you earned that badass nickname you got. Um, so 12 years old, I uh, started boxing with um, my – I call him my uncle because mm-hmm. he was – um, like my dad's brother growing up, my stepfather. And, uh, he, um, he actually boxed, uh, Roy Jones Jr. six times coming oh. up and they actually boxed three times here on the reservation in McIntosh as amateurs. And, um, the him and Roy were pretty close coming up being, had fought each other so many times in amateur and he was 10 and 0 before he retired and Roy kept going. And of course, Roy became who he become. And my uncle, you know, Nick, Roy always tells me, you know, yeah, man, your your uncle could have, he could have, he could have done more. He could have done more than what he, he did, but he chose life and becoming a police officer and his family with, which is, which is, is all good. He lives a comfortable, happy life Has three great kids. And, uh, yeah, he has a nice home. You know, he, he, I don't think he's complaining. Um, but you know, Roy become Roy kept going with it and went to New York and pursued his dream and become Roy Jones Jr. You know, and uh, one of the greatest boxers of all time. And they um, he started training me for about a year or two, and his gym closed down. I stopped and uh, tried a couple sports in, in in school, but just really wasn't my thing. I was kind of too small at the time, least athletic out of everybody, and. Um, my older cousin, which is a pro fighter, they don't fight anymore either, but they were pro boxers and MMA fighters at the time. Uh, the one that started training me at 15, he actually fought on the Blood and Sand card back on pay-per-view back when Bob Lash- Bobby Lashley and Bob South fought on the main oh, event wow. that card. He- oh, wow. He fought uh, Danny Urbati from The Ultimate Fighter. And it was actually his second time fighting him. He had done beat Danny Arbati the first time. And, Danny, and then he knocked six of Danny Arbati's teeth out the second time in that fight that night. So very hard hitter. And he used to uh, drag me in the gym, man, and beat me up and knock me out and choke me out. And he was a 190-pound guy fighting at 170. Uh, crazy athletic, strong, hits very hard, mean, just didn't. Don't care. He didn't care if he was sparring a 15 year old. He didn't know nothing. He was still gonna try to knock me out with every punch. And uh, <laughs> I think that I think that uh, toughened me up to when I fought a lot of people. You know, fighting first fight at 17 in a bar, a grown man. Like, oh man, this dude's my size. He he, you know, he even a pro fighter. He ain't gonna he ain't gonna hit hard as Big O hit me. And um, yeah, man, just growing up fighting underage and uh, fighting grown men and. Uh, just man, I had almost thirty some amateur fights, including amateur boxing and and MMA and tough men and and made my pro debut at twenty one and um, went undefeated for a while there. Went on like a amateur to pro, like a twelve fight win streak. You know, beat some names in the in the local regions and 
and and come up and and bef- right before I made my pro debut, uh, I used to call myself the Punisher, and I was like, man, too many people got the Punisher nickname. Yeah. And a guy that I've been working out with for years, and he had just got on his back. You know, he called me. He's like, man, I'm about to get this tattoo called, you know, the Chata Tuska. And I was like, don't Chata mean Choctaw. And he's like, yeah, and Tuska means warrior. And he's like, that needs to be your nickname right there. And I was like, I was like, man, that that, that sounds pretty good. I ain't gonna lie. I'm gonna steal this from. Him. He's like, nah, man. He's like, I've been, I've been thinking. He's like, you're the only one around here fighting. He's like, you are the Choctaw warrior, man, the Moa warrior. He's like. He's like, that's you all day, you know? And, uh, yeah, man, yeah, that's about 19, 20 years old is when I got that name and stuck with it. And uh, I think it's uh, I think it suited me, and, uh, you know, it, it definitely represents the tribe. No, it's perfect. So we'll roll into that now. So tell us a little bit about your tribe and, you know, Native Americans. I've read several books on Native Americans. They're obviously, they're fighting people. They've been fighting these lands for you know, the last hundreds of years. So do you feel like fighting is something that's just in your blood, that's in your DNA that you are meant to do, you know, because of your heritage and the way you grew up? Man, dude, look, um, I know y'all from Texas, Mm -hmm. but um, if y'all know people from Mobile and this part of Alabama and down and up around here, probably a hundred, 150 mile radius, know about Moas. They know about two things, partying and fighting. And that's what my people are known for. Mostly fighting because at parties, we end up just fighting random people. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, I remember as a kid sneaking into clubs underage, we'll be like, we'd gang up at the house. And all we talk about all night before we go out and party is, all right, boys, who's going to knock out somebody tonight? Who's going to be the one? <laughs> all right, me, me. I'm knocking out somebody tonight. And we would just pick a random bystander in the crowd. Like, hey, bro, I'm about to um, – and I'm not, I'm not bragging about this. You know, I'm I'm saying I'm a new – you know, but I'm just telling how we, we are. And it's, it's just like a, a curse on our people, how we're upbringing. It's like – Man, they had, every time we come in places, they'd be like, all right, y'all watch out. The security guards like, all right, y'all watch out for them. They would have extra security guards by us, and we all have a certain look, so we all look alike, and they know when mobiles are there, so they're always looking at us, and we just blindside somebody and just stomp them out and fight <laughs> the boys. And, and, and it, it, was, it was ruthless, and then we're always known for, for cutting people. A lot of people, have, have, have my people, have. we always keep a, a case a case 9 knife on us. It's a yellow handle case 9. We call it our Moai card. Actually, I think I got mine on me. Hold on. I'll show you what it looks like. Hell yeah. I do. Damn. Moai that's, card. That's your Moai card, huh? Moai card. Yeah, there it is. So it's go it is. time. You run into the Moais in the club. It's go time. Real scout horse. All right, and uh, we used to the old the elders said they used to do this when we had a problem when somebody in the tribe another Moa had another problem or another Moa we would lock wrists, pull out our case knives, hold it up to the blade, and anywhere from neck down you you stab and whoever let go loses the fight. Jesus, that's an old old elder story. I don't know who does that or who do that, but I'm glad we don't do that anymore. <laughs> Cause I had a lot of problems with my boys, and um, what we did, we just meet up at the clay pit, draw a circle in the sand, everybody get around, don't let nobody get out until the first one quits. We fight. 
shake each other's hand, hug each other next to each other, we love you, and go play basketball. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, good stuff, uh, man. So, Brock, you uh, you talked a little bit about your upbringing and your early days, you know, fighting underage and stuff. You know, from a from a pro perspective, you started off seven and four, which you know is a fine record, but not going to get you in the UFC. But since since you started off that way, you rattled off eight straight wins now, including a win on the Contender Series. What changed for you, Brock? What what's what's better for you, training wise or lifestyle wise, now that you're able to just go in there and beat these guys? When I was seven and four, I was living for myself and. Um, in the clubs, in and out, partying, being local famous hero, the, the uh, like I said, in the contender series, the big bad moa, just having all this praise and glory on myself, and just being hard headed and stubborn, and um, you know, and you can't uh, party three or four nights a week, wake up and train like you need to to fight these pro athletes, and it caught up to me. You know, uh, I was never the most athletic guy so i never really had to rely on athleticism i always had to rely on hard work and heart and once that hard work left me it left me with nothing but heart but not even heart can get you in there and win a fight you can get beat up all three rounds if you can't get up and can't do nothing about it mm-hmm. then you lose you're on, you're on the time limit in there you know i've always said you know without the time limit i think i can i can beat anybody out there uh you just put me in there with no time and i ain't giving up you're gonna give up eventually i'm gonna find a way to beat you but it's not how it goes. We got rules, just like these, that rule how I won the other night. It ain't the way I had. I wanted to win, but there's rules, you know. And and it just happens. And and we got time limits. So uh, after that hard work left me, uh, I just I got to a point where I was burned out with the sport. At one time, I think went on a couple fight losing streaks. And at that time, at six and four or seven and four, I was really thinking about giving it up and uh, moved down to Miami. Joined him in Masters, start training with a lot of pro athletes, uh, real high-level pros there, and uh, got on another level. Got my butt whooped for a couple years there, you know, training under a lot of them uh, high-level fighters in South Miami, and um, just get getting humbled, really, you know, uh, getting back to working very hard. And the coaches there, you know, after a couple years, like, man, you train harder than anybody, you know, anybody here. You're not the best, but you you train harder. You want to be the best, and. Uh, some things happened. I had to move from there, and I met my wife. We moved home, and we uh, gave our life to God, and God just opened up doors and gave me a new hunger for it, and I, I took that work ethic I had found in Miami and recombined it with the work, the work ethic I, that, that brought me as a young boy at 15 and 16 and 17-year-old fighting these grown men, what, what I knew I had to do, and um, combined it and just found a, a new a new drive, man, a new motivation to just stay in great shape and just keep improving and getting my life together and and not drinking and smoking and, and, and girls and, and just uh, being committed, you know, and just, uh, get you know, just having a prayer life and just talking to God and feeling God before them fights has really made a um, complete change in my career. And... Uh, how everything is going, you know, I'm just blessed that it's going this way and where he's brought me from and uh, where he's going to bring me to. So that leads into my next question. So as you continue to go in the UFC, I mean, you're someone that you obviously you got it all. You got the look, you're good on the mic, you got the skills. When you get better and better and start progressing through the company, 
do you have things in your life in place to not run into those issues again with, you know, being famous in a small town? Because, you know, you're probably already the most famous person from your town. And as you get bigger and bigger star in the UFC, I imagine that stuff's going to start creeping up. People are going to be coming out of the woodworks, calling you. What, what do you have planned to kind of fight against some of that stuff? A prayer life. Yeah. It's simple. Prayer life and staying Staying close to Jesus, man, because um, without Jesus, we ain't nothing, you know, and I'm still nothing with Jesus. And um, if I take Jesus out of my life for a, for a day, then I'll be that Brock that that I was for a day. And, it, and you know, and you never want to creep back to that yeah. uh, since this fight that, that, that's been coming, you know, before this fight that's been coming. That's like you said, it's going it's going to keep coming. The devil's going to come. He's going to come in many different ways. If he can't get us one way, he's going to try another. If he can't get us that way, he's going to try another. So I just got to I gotta stay stay with a prayer and, like, man, pray every night, pray every morning, go to church, pray. Uh, just that's the only way to fight the devil. That's the only way to fight that stuff. Once people stop praying and stop, you know, um, pursuing God and, and stuff, then that's when they get sucked in that kind of stuff and, Sometimes, man, you you make it back, and sometimes you don't, you yeah. know. And I just don't want to be a in stock that don't make it back. Yeah. I don't want to die like fool, you know. All right, well, good stuff. So, um, my next question: What's a day in the life of Brock Weaver look like? Obviously, we were talking the other day. You do some hunting. Obviously, you do some training. What's what's your day to day life look like? Right now, it's uh, you know during during training camp. Of course, wake up. Read the Bible with my wife, prayer, feed the, feed all the dogs, and then I head out to training and get uh, two or three sessions in before the day. And, uh, but right now it's uh, eat, wake up, pray, feed the dogs, eat again, chill, eat again, and uh, hunt it hunt at night. I've been I've been coon hunting probably every night. You know, training my dogs up. Uh, got some puppies right now, so I'm training them. I'm about to go put some traps out. Try to catch me some coons to help train these puppies. Um, go watch the Wilder and Fury tonight. One of my boxing coaches. Uh, just just chilling, eating and hunting, man. You know, uh, keeping it simple. Uh, spending time with my wife. Uh, gonna go to the beach next week. Hopefully, you know, for a couple of days, get away. Just uh, just staying humble, man. Keeping it simple and uh, being a being a country boy like like I am, you know. So tell me about this How coon hunting. How many dogs hunting? he got, Brock? Yeah. How, you you corral the coons up in the tree and then shoot them or what? Yeah, get the dog get the dog to go get them up the tree and then you walk walk in there and shine your light and find them and shoot them out the tree. You know, shoot them in the legs so your dog can fight them. That's what he wants to do. And uh, let him let him fight them and kill it and on to the next coon. <laughs> you do a lot of deer how many dogs down you there? training up? Hmm. How many dogs are you training up right now? Uh, three. I took one of them and I'm turning it into a deer dog because I think she's scared of coon and, and she pretty much has ran deer the last couple of times I've set it in there for coon. So I'm going to turn her to a deer dog next season. And I got the mom and daddy dog. They're coon dogs. And I just had puppies and I kept four of them so far. So they're 11 weeks old. I'm going to go trap some coons and, and some cages and see how they react to them in the cage first, see if they're scared of them and uh, build a nerve up and, uh, you know, just play around with them with them. I never heard of a deer dog. What's a deer dog? 
We don't have that in it's Texas. Where you, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you you, you train a you know you train a deer to um, uh, you you set you set up a spot uh, mm-hmm. you know make you you have to do it in a group of people. So a hunting club usually. Mm-hmm. We got here, you know, you set set up some spots that uh you know some deer are in and you go set your dog through there and you wait on the other side of the woods with the, with the deer where your dog's gonna run the deer and you just wait for the dog for the dogs to run it to you and you hmm. you track the dogs on your garmin and the dog run it'll run out the woods and you'll be able to shoot it you know that's a good idea e- easier way e- easier easier faster way to kill deer yeah than spotting stalking them through the woods all right um all right billy you got the next one Sure. Uh, so back to talking about fighting here, Brock. Uh, you know, there's 600 fighters on the UFC roster. There's a couple thousand more pro MMA fighters out, out here in the world right now. And, you know, a lot of our fans are newer to MMA. And um, I'm just wondering for you, what what is maybe your favorite fight you've ever had or the fight that you think uh, is is best represents your style? If if we had someone who was going to go watch one Brock Weaver fight, what would you suggest they go watch? My favorite fight still is, you can find it on YouTube, it's Brock versus Sock, high def. You have to type in my name versus S-O-K, which is Socrates Pierre. We fought twice. It's the first one. Brock versus Sock, high def. So it's H-I-D-E-F, which is high definition. And that's a little highlight clip of the fight. We went. Two rounds, just freaking slugging it out, man. We got very exhausted and uh, hype. Sock had a lot of hype on him at that time. And everybody, even my people, thought I was going to lose to him. And um, I had to prove to myself that I could beat him. And I ran straight in there, and we brought it out. And it come down to the second round, and um, I went for a shot. He caught me in his favorite move, Anaconda. I had practiced a sit-out to get out of that the whole camp. And I really thought I was, he was about to choke me out, and somehow my body just reacted with uh, without me even knowing. And I hit the sit out, and I uh, took his back and choked him out with exactly one second left in the second round. And oh, shit, it was uh, one of the probably greatest uh, steel wins to my career. You know, man, that's, that's awesome. That's great. Uh, Brock, you mentioned a lot, you know, you had your your uncle who fought Roy Jones and you had a lot of, you know, fighting around you growing up. Uh, did you have any fights or fighters or anyone you admired growing up or maybe admire now that you looked up to that kind of inspired you to go on this journey? Yeah, yeah, like the ones I started training with, you know, uh, James, the Orso brothers, they're Big old Chuck Orso, the guys that were beating me up when I was young, and uh, my uncle. You know, he he was a very good inspiration to to work hard. You know, he would like the first six months he trained you, he didn't hold mitts for you or nothing. He just ran and made you do push ups in six inches for six months, and if you survived that, then he would hold mitts for you. And most people didn't survive it. <laughs> that's why that's why the boxing gym closed down because everybody quit. Nobody started, <laughs> Uh, and and still, when he train, he still trains every now and then. He'll train somebody around here. Everybody quits after like two or three months. Like, man, bro, he don't even train. He just makes you run and um and do push ups and sit ups. I'm like, yeah, you gotta survive six months. When he's after six months, he'll take you serious and you're in shape enough to hold mitts. Because when he holds mitts for you, it's nonstop punching. 
you know, you got to make sure your cardio's up. So. All right, Brock, I got one more question for you. So what are your current goals in the UFC? And then what are some current goals outside of fighting? What do you want 2020 to look like for you? I want to get in 2020, I want to get at least three more fights, you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe more of that, you know, um, uh, before the end of 2020, I want to, I want to be uh, climbing in the ranks, at least top 20, top 15, you know, something like that. Uh, maybe take a, a big late notice fight against a top contender, you know, like, yeah. I, I was like, maybe like a Dan Hooker or a Paul Fedler or something, you know, something like that, you know, but, um, Um, and after that, man, you know, after 2020, just keep climbing, man, you know, um, win, lose or draw. I just, um, no matter how I win, I just want to keep climbing, man. Keep, um, keep, keep representing the natives around the world. Uh, federal recognition for my tribe one day, future chief one day, um, just keep glorifying the Lord, you know, let, let the, let my light shine, let people know, you know. You can make it in life. Keep God first and uh, just be humble no matter what, you know, and just keep fighting the devil, man. <laughs> just keep fighting the devil, man, and keep keep winning. Keep winning. That's what it's all about. All right, man, I, I really appreciate you doing this. I know we've been trying to sync this up for a couple of weeks, but um, any shout-outs you want to give or let people know where they can find you on social media and everything? Yeah, man. Uh, I got so many sponsors, but I just want to, I'm, I'm going to shout out all my sponsors separately in a post in a couple of days. But every local sponsor that's, that's helped me, everybody out there that's helped me, you know, uh, my new my new sponsor, and they've helped me out a lot, Glaxon Supplements. Uh, if y'all work out or anything, man, I would really advise, not just because they sponsor me, but the, the, these guys are very scientific stuff, and uh, it's crazy how it works. It's USADA and water approved, and they got stuff that's not USADA and water approved. If you want to get some extreme stuff, you know they um, they it's nothing illegal either. It's just uh, you know USADA and water is just crazy. They're just you know even if it's super illegal, it's still illegal with them. But they got stuff from anything, man, and it's um, crazy how like some of their stuff works so crazily good and um man just you know just my whole moa tribe man just all the love and support and everybody all the natives around the world all the ones in the nation uh everybody just hitting me up you know support me and uh just you know and again god you know just for uh bringing me from where he brought me man and i thank y'all for having me sorry it took so long it's all good. We appreciate you Happy coming to on. Have you. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll check back in closer to your next fight. Wish you nothing but the best of luck in twenty twenty and keep making it happen, man. Yes, sir, man. Appreciate y'all. All right, brother. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, and visit Parker Keen's MMA show for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.